0: You are listening to The Daily American. Now here's your host, Dan the Man. We're back with The Daily American. Last week we had on Sergeant First Class Jason Cook. He walked us through his childhood growing up as a military brat. Um, His father was in the Navy bouncing around. Saw a lot of the world at a young age um, and had... You know, the discipline and the mindset built in within him to look at the positive in things, you know, look at it as as exciting. Some kids would be like, oh, well, you know, I'm moving all around the the world and I can't develop friendships. Boo hoo. But but he had the mindset where it was exciting. Um, And that led him right after high school. He went into the army. He did 20 years of service, multiple duty stations, a ton of deployments. And I'm honored and thankful to have him back.
1: Jason, welcome back. Hey, Dan. Thank you again for having me. And I'm super happy to reconnect and I'll talk about some stuff.
0: Awesome. So after uh, those grueling eight days, <laughs> kick us off from there and uh, tell us what it was like. I mean, after 20, 20 years and eight days of service, you're just getting out and...
1: So, um, I'm a planner by nature, something I picked up, I think in the second half of my career. Um, so what I knew was that I was going to retire. <clears throat> and when I did the math, it made more sense to retire at 20 years than it did to stay in like 25 or 30, just because at 25 or 30, you don't have enough time left in your life or employability uh because you'll just be super old at that point um to have another full career draw a second retirement so i made the decision to get out right at 20 because that would give me the time i needed to have a complete second career and another pension uh before i started drawing social security at the end of my life um so that's why I, i made that decision and I highly encourage people to think about it and kind of identify what their needs are going to be. Not now, but when you and your wife have to move into assisted living, you know, at 65 or 70 years old, what are your needs going to be then? And that's what you're planning and always working towards. Um, Because if you plan for now, you're going to fail later. Uh, That's certainly for sure. So uh, I knew that I was going to get out at 20. So right around the 18-year mark, I started talking to everybody that was getting out of the military and transitioning. Um, I asked them about you know, their disability packets with the VA. I asked them about interviewing. I was like, give me your resume. I wasn't shy about it. I didn't say like, what'd you put on your resume? I was like, no, just give me your resume. Um, And I kind of filtered through it for the people that were getting the jobs that I want. And then I just like slid the rest away. and was like, get away from me. Um, And then the same thing with the the VA disability paperwork. Um, The people that were getting the right ratings and stuff like that. Those are the people I gravitated towards. And I wasn't shy about it. I was like, how do you write it? Um, because it, it was super important to me to uh, make sure that I did it right. And that I didn't um, leave any opportunity kind of on the table. And so I think the f- first thing, if I, you don't mind, I would like to talk about would be the disability portion. If you're okay with that. Absolutely. So uh, I read this thing a few weeks ago, which explains it way better than I would have a few weeks ago. And what it said essentially was that you're like a lease car. Um, and the army you know, takes you, they drive you into the ground, but uh, they're responsible for returning you to the same condition you were when you came in or compensate you for that. Uh, and that's the best way to kind of explain it to people and get them to understand um, that it's not, it's not a pride thing. It's not about how you feel right now. It's how you feel 10, 20, 30, 40 years from now. And you still see guys like from Vietnam and stuff trying to get benefits. Um, so, and it was important to me to make sure that I got that part right. Right, um, and so yeah, I went and talked to everybody, and I finally had the aha moment that it wasn't about so much, you know, your medical conditions and stuff like that. It was more about how it impacts your quality of life. And so for me, like initially, like if I went to the VA and I was like, I have migraines, they're like, well, here's the pills. And that's kind of the end of it. But if you went to the doctor and you're like, Hey, like I can't play with my kids very often because I have so many migraines. And so when I get a migraine, like I got to close my eyes. I got to be in a dark room. I got to turn on some white noise, something like that and take these pills. Then hopefully like, you know, four or five hours later uh, it goes away or it could be the next day. And so for my kids, Um, for them, all they see is like, you know, daddy won't play with me. And so, um, being able to articulate that when you're doing your disability write-up is super important. Um, I would say just as important as the medical condition itself is like how it impacts your quality of life. And that will definitely, um, help explain to whoever's reviewing your packet, like not only what it is, but the impact that it has on you. Um, so it's super important to make sure you do that. And then to you know document any time that you were hurt or injured. Um, so if you're getting out, definitely reach out to people. And there's a ton of Facebook groups and stuff now I've seen um, and reach out to people and, Do your own research. Uh, I did go see the DAV, which was helpful. But after I spent a couple hours with him, I was like, well, I've got this and I'll take it from here. And I went and did the rest of it on my own. Um, And yeah, I got uh, what I needed for me and my family. So I encourage everybody to do the research, do legwork, but also um, engage people and get smart on it. Before uh, getting out,
0: excellent advice. Um, yeah, the wording, the wording, basically to summarize what what you're saying, um, the wording the and the way it's impacting your life outside of what the actual physical or mental condition is um, is key to get that to get that down. And a lot of people, to tell you the tr- truth, Jason, a lot of people have problems like articulating. Anything, let alone, um, you know, what they need to do to file a disability claim. But it sounds like, you know, you really laid it out perfectly for anybody who's transitioning out of the military um, and trying to set themselves up for for their future.
1: Well, it's just like any other communication you have to aim your message, uh, before you shoot it at your audience and your audience in this case, you know, or doctors. So if you just write down, well, my feet hurt, that doesn't really say much. But if you're like, you know, I have, you know, bilateral plantar fasciitis, uh, which, you know, prevents me from walking far. And then, you know, the secondary effect of that is I have like knee pain and hip pain and back pain. Um, that's a horse of a different color, but they understand that language. So definitely do your research. Perfect. What
0: else do you have for us?
1: <clears throat> um, getting a job. So I worked on my resume. I did not participate in the SFL TAP uh, not that it wasn't a great program. What is that? Uh, just, that's the Soldier Family uh, transistence Assistance Program. So Congress mandated that the Uniformed Services uh, put money and staffing in a program to help soldiers transition. Um, because there were too many news stories and stuff about soldiers getting out and being homeless or uh, not just doing well in transition um, and so yeah they uh, they put some money at it and uh, some energy and for some people it's been successful um, I applaud them for that but I think the underlying issue, If you want to go way back, is we don't teach people how to, you know, live life and be successful in life. Um, And this goes like to high school. So in high school, do you remember them teaching you how to write a resume?
0: Absolutely not. They don't teach you any valuable
1: life skills right but all those kids are going to graduate and they need jobs like why wouldn't you teach them how to write a resume
0: it's almost it's ridiculous
1: yeah it's it's and then we wonder why all these kids are living with their parents
0: yep our our educational but, system especially you know the i went to public school my entire life um, the public school system is just geared towards <sighs> the nonsense that they want to teach and it doesn't, you know, they should be, first of all, college isn't necessarily for, for everybody. And that's pretty much where they
1: push everybody towards. Yeah. Well, they have great marketing for sure. Um, but shame on, you know, the, the educators because they're kind of, they're pushing it. Um, But like, how great would it be to see kids go to high school and um, take computers, take shop, you know, take welding, um, take like home economics so you can like cook for yourself. Like when I taught military science and leadership at Drexel University, there were classes in the dorms like at night to teach kids how to use can openers and stuff. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Like that, that's where the kids are these days. And like nobody like teach a kid how to change a tire, like um, teach him how to balance a checkbook, teach him how to interview, teach him how to write a resume. I just, it blows my mind. I was taking art class and learning how to do a stippling in my senior year of high school instead of how to get a job.
0: Yeah. It just, a, it's a setting up our, you know, our future generations for failure in a way.
1: Oh, absolutely, um, and it's, it's keeping the power uh, with the powerful, so um, it keeps people dependent on government subsidies, and uh, it's not in our best interest. Yeah, I wish I would have learned,
0: it? like you know, anything about you know business or what an LLC is or, you know, how to, how to start a small business or, you know, anything that would be valuable towards my life. But again, I skated by high school. I barely graduated myself.
1: So I probably wouldn't have paid attention anyhow, but. I I beg to differ. You probably would have because it would have been like applicable to your life and what was going on with you at the time. Uh, Romeo and Juliet really didn't, uh, matter to me at that age. If somebody said like, Hey, you're going to have to like get an apartment and get a job. And like, if you want to go buy a car, here's what you have to do. And then, oh, by the way, there's this thing called insurance that you're going to have to pay for Like break it down on a chalkboard for me so I could see like, I'm going to need some money. I would have been super interested in learning that. No, you're right. You're absolutely right. Yeah, so would I. I.
0: I would have as as well. You're definitely right. But yeah, Romeo Juliet, and uh, you know, calculus. Uh, I w- I, ne- I never made it to the, like ad- calculus or any of those advanced math classes. But you know, unless you're, I don't even know who uses calculus nowadays. I don't know if engineers do or what. But uh, I mean,
1: come <laughs> on, this is just like
0: it's it, it's just a little ridiculous.
1: Uh, it is, it is such a missed opportunity, um, because here we are today and God bless them. Like a plumber costs 60 bucks an hour just to come to your house and look at your stuff, not even touch it, just to look at it. Um, because we don't, we've gotten, everybody so bought into the university system, like going to college, we've gotten away from Uh, the trade skills and stuff like that. And so um, there's not many of them out there and there'll be even less, you know, 10, 20 years from now where uh, if we taught kids those things, we would, it wouldn't cost $60 an hour to have a plumber come by. First of all, it'd be something more reasonable, but there'd be like more of them and uh, more people working and we wouldn't have trillions of dollars in uh student loan debt and stuff that's held by the government.
0: Yeah, I mean, I work in the HVAC industry and these companies, their biggest problem, every single one of them, their biggest problem is finding you know, help, finding good good work and very few kids are going out of high school and going to like a trade school and it's a shame because there's a bunch of money to be made and like you said it keeps Keeps the individual out of debt.
1: Yeah. So I know we only have a couple minutes left, so I want to hit one point for sure. So when I was with Frito-Lay, I was a hiring manager for uh, two mega DCs. And if I posted a job for a picker, I would have a max pull of 200 applicants. That pull would be filled in like two or three hours. That's how many people were trying to get their foot in the door of that company. And every single veteran uh, that I saw, uh, one of the resumes, I brought him in for an interview. Um, and the reason why I did that was because I found that more often than not, they did not know what they were selling. An example, I had a kid come in uh, and he was like, yeah, I was a team leader on an aircraft carrier on a deck that arrested the uh, F-18 Hornets when they landed. I was like, that's really neat. And I was like, do you see an F-18 like parked downstairs? He's like, no. (laughs) I was like, so why should I hire you? He's like, honestly, I don't know. And like, it broke my heart, man. Um, And here's what, and like, don't write on your resume that you were like a radio telephone operator for PRC 119 alpha. Um, Nobody knows what that is. So, the thing that is most marketable for military people is leadership. So in a civilian sector, there's no institutional learning on leadership until you're a C-suite executive. You either have it or you don't. Um, but it, in the army, there's institutional learning on leadership at every single level. E5, E6, E7, E8, E9, you know, captain through whatever. and that is your most marketable quality is leadership. And I was like, you didn't tell me like anything that I wanted to hear, but I was like, you led three people on an aircraft air, aircraft carrier deck. I was like, so you have leadership experience. I need you to go down on my floor and I need you to lead three people. That's what I need. I can teach you all the rest of this stuff. Like I can't teach you that overnight. Um, so, and just, It's so important when talking to the military people that they understand like, um, what they're selling and what the corporate sector is looking for. There's a huge kind of, uh, void there of leadership. And if you walk into an interview and you know a little bit about the products in the business, um, and understand the importance of safety, you just, you know, ask them like, what's your what's your problem and biggest challenge that you need me to get after nine times out of 10, they're going to say like, well, we have a leadership problem and that's where you sell the hell out of it. Now I went to, it used to be PNOC as PLDC and I think it's uh, something else now, but the E5 team leader course, I went to, you know, whatever leadership courses you went to and then how many people you're able to effectively lead by that point. Um, Like you're in there like swimwear. Because that is more valuable to them than anything else. And don't get rid of the jargon. Um, and just understand, like, if you go in there and you you sell leadership, uh, you're going to be really surprised at the results that you get and the offers you get.
0: Incredible advice. Yeah, there's definitely a huge disconnect. Um, like you said, coming off of active duty, and then trying to make it in like the corporate world because you know, kind of like high school, these kids aren't being taught um, anything super, super valuable um, that they'll be able to to do in their or utilize in their actual life. And in the military, I don't, I don't remember personally. I could be wrong. Though. I'm sure, like you said, they had that Congress passed that. You know, that uh, bill or whatever for that program you mentioned earlier for transitioning out of the military, but, you know, going into a corporate headquarters somewhere with all this military jargon. And it goes back to what you said earlier about our, you know, articulation and being able to take those skills that um, you gained in the military and tra- transition them over. I mean, even if you just Google, you know, I'm sure Google has some things or you reach out to, to past leaders like starting First Class Jason Cook or whomever that you may know, and they'll help you out and they'll guide you through it.
1: Absolutely.
0: Question for you. So now what's on the, uh, what's the future hold for Mr. Cook? What do we got going on down in El Paso, Texas?
1: So the, the next adventure is uh, me and the wife have decided to, Open a small restaurant, so we're actually looking at uh, some places this week. and hope to have uh, LLC formed <laughs> over the next like week or two and uh, moving into a space in the next few weeks to get that started. And I think it's one of the things working towards um, being able to give something to my kids. So that's what we're working on next.
0: That's awesome. If I'm ever back in the El Paso, Texas area, you can guarantee that I'll stop by Rolled, I believe that's that's going to be the name of it. That's
1: going to be the name of our first place.
0: Awesome. Well, anything, you know, that you've touched in the past seems to turn out to be successful. It seems like, you know, you you've done a lot even outside of the military, but the 20 years plus service plus 8 days Service <laughs> on active duty, um, you know you, you've done a lot, and you're still you're still giving back. Um, even coming coming on this podcast, and you know, there's definitely I know just off the top of my head, I know at least a couple of people that are going to be transitioning out of the military if they haven't just transitioned out, um, and I'm sure they're looking forward to to hearing this, and we certainly appreciate your time and the energy you put into this and wish you nothing but the best with with rolled
1: well i I greatly appreciate it dan and uh for anybody listening um after i retired i worked for pepsico frito-lay uh vendor management specialist for a nationwide uh network of vendors and then uh most recently as a director of operations for a transportation company so you can find me on facebook or linkedin and um, do not hesitate uh, whatsoever to reach out and just ask a question if you need some advice
0: i'm sure you're going to get some uh some some dm slides or some messages on your linkedin after this podcast yeah absolutely we uh We here at the Daily American, we we always welcome you back and we appreciate it big time, not only for your 20 20 plus years of service, but for the knowledge that you just dropped today on the Daily American.
1: Well, thank you, Dan, and thank you for what you do and sharing people's stories and uh, experiences. So my hat's off to you and I'd definitely love to see that you're happy and healthy and Successful at what you want to do, sir. Appreciate
0: it big time.